Welcome to the Your Mom Has Blog podcast. I'm Chad Edgington. I'm Melissa Edgington. And we are in the bluegrass state, y'all. We are coming to you from Louisville, Kentucky. Is it Louisville or Louisville? What, that, what did I say? I don't know. What? How would you normally say it? Welcome to Louisville. 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 Louisville Slugger. Louisville Slugger. I guess I would say Louisville. The Louisville Cardinals? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, we um, just finished up together for the Gospel Conference today. T4G18. Hashtag. And it was... Hashtag T4G18. It was so amazing. I'm not even sure if we can communicate how awesome it was, but we wanted to get on here and do a little recap and talk about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it's a special T4G edition. Yeah, we're in our hotel room at the Galt House in uh, downtown Louisville. <laughs> we're on the 24th floor. We have a spectacular view of the Ohio River. Now, can we see? Yeah, we can see. We can see. Look out there and see the river. Yeah. And um, some different uh, aspects of. Uh, don't, lo- don't say it. Louisville. <laughs> Louisville. Okay, from here on out, we're it's, not going to say the name of the city. Why not Louisville? <laughs> What's wrong with that? <laughs> because it's. We don't know how to say it. It's weird podcasting like the way we're doing this. Uh, have a little microphone, and we normally always podcast with headphones. Yeah. And it, it makes it feel more like you're doing a show. Without the headphones, I feel like we're just sitting in a room talking to each other. That's all the podcast is. I know, but I'm saying it's I, I, I can feel the audience a little better when I'm not. I guess I'm going to pretend like that red light on top of the microphone is the audience. Okay. That y'all are listening because that red light's on. Hello. Good, glad you're listening. So, what are your uh, initial My thoughts? My initial thoughts? Well, I guess we should just start at the very beginning. We got up early on Monday. Well, let's not start that beginning. You don't want to go to the airport security? No, no, that's way far back. I had to take off my belt <laughs> and my shoes. I had to put my laptop computer in a separate container. Yeah. We're not very savvy air travelers. So we're those people that are annoying everyone because yeah. we're not sure uh, of the uh, procedure. Where uh, did I put my belt? Uh, are those my shoes? Uh, and then they took our bag and like they did, a, they, did a, they did like an extra inspection on our little suitcase. Yes, yeah, so which that was your fault. Because I put this microphone in our carry-on suitcase and it's called a blue snowball microphone it's like a it looks like a softball is that about the size of it yeah it's about a softball sized microphone uh with a little stand and you know it doesn't look like anything normal so they were like oh that's what got you flagged so they had to inspect it and make sure that it was which uh, i mean honestly they took it out you said it's a microphone and they had never seen this before in their lives and they were like oh okay yeah. and they put it back in there that's yeah, a microphone guys 
Yeah, so, but they did they did wipe it down and test it for you know what residue or something. Yeah, and they did do a double check on it. That's good. So we got on the airplane, flew to Atlanta, and and even from the very, uh, I guess maybe sitting in the Atlanta airport, that's when we first started meeting some people that were going to this conference. Yeah. And so even before the conference started, it was awesome to like be on the pilgrimage, you know, to come to together for the gospel just because you got to meet guys and. Everyone was talking church and talking Jesus and just talking in the airport. And it was so awesome. It was. Everybody was excited and looking forward, expecting, you know, that we're going to learn a lot here. We're going to have a great time of fellowship. We were sitting in the Atlanta airport talking to these two pastors from New Orleans. No, they weren't from New Orleans. They were from Baton Rouge. Okay, Baton Rouge. And um, this no. Pat. Is that where they were from? It doesn't matter. It's not. It's not important to the story. They're from back. They were, and we met one from Shreveport. Okay. But these guys were from Baton Rouge. They were from Baton Rouge. You have an issue with. See the thing about storytelling. Do you know what Baton Rouge means? There are details that are not that important. What does Baton Rouge mean? Do you know? A red baton. (laughs) (laughs) It's red stick. Okay. And then whenever the when the pepper gets that certain color of the baton rouge, then you know you pick it and you make a your cayenne pepper out of it. That's what you do. Don't shoo me off. No, you're getting too close to the mic. Oh, I, oh, was that me? Or that was probably you. <laughs> anyway, so we're sitting there talking to these men from Brothers. the state of hey, listen, Louisiana. Listen. When you talk about guys, don't call them men. Call them. We're talking to some really great brothers. Or if it, if they're brother pastors, then they're brother pastors. Didn't you learn that from this weekend? I don't think women do that. Well, these were some brothers from Baton Rouge. Well, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. i got to get a plug. We're sitting computer. there talking to these pastors. And then this other pastor walks up, and he walks right through the middle of us and sits down. And he goes, are you all going to T4G? And we said, yeah. And he actually did a fist pump in the air. Everybody in the airport was so excited. <laughs> we, were, we were pumped, man. We're going to T4G. That pastor was from Lubbock. Fun. Oh, man. So, okay. I'm going to find you. Highlights. Highlights of the, of the conference. Number one, the music. The best thing about the music is that it's just piano and voices. Mm-hmm. And you're talking 12,000 people in this arena. And you can hear it's just all voices. And 10,000 of those people are men. And it's just really about the words to the songs. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. you're really thinking about what you're singing. And you're getting this really strong, you know, um, we're worshiping together feeling. You know, it wasn't an individual thing we were doing. It's not like we were... Yeah, there was a real corporate nature to the whole thing. Focused inward. It was all very focused outward. Yeah, yeah and that's something I, I really appreciate about that that style of worship um, where the emphasis is on the voices, that the, yeah. vo- that the piano was only accompanying the voices that there was really only Bob Coughlin on stage, and he was just off to the side of the stage playing the piano. And there, in, in almost every song at some point, he would quit playing. Yeah. And it was just And he had, like, this way of, like, directing. Did you ever see him? He was, like, his double fist, and he was just yeah. like, yes, yes. 
<laughs> it was it was it was great. But it's it's actually it's it's stunning when you're standing there and you're listening to it. I I didn't sing a whole lot because I just wanted to just sit there and take well, the it songs, in. The songs know? were in really good keys for guys. Yeah. I mean, it was a men's choir type. Yeah. It sounded like a gigantic 10,000 voice men's choir. Were the so keys amazing. bad for women? Yeah. Oh, they weren't good keys for you for y'all? No. They were too high. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, they, they didn't seem but they were really you didn't have to strain your voice too much as a man to sing them. They yeah. weren't tenor parts. It was a real baritone. Well, I think that's why the men were singing out so strong. Oh, yeah. Just... And you had a bunch of men that loved to sing. All the men were singing at the top, top of, of their mean, voices. Yeah, it was like painful to be behind some guys. They were singing so it, loud. They were singing so loud. It was great. It was awesome. You can listen to that if you go to Spotify or even if you get uh, on YouTube. You can listen to it. If you just type in T4G singing, there's videos where you can hear what it sounds like. And you've never heard anything like it. That's You've just never you, in your life, and you, and you can listen to it. I've listened to it before online, and I've thought that is remarkable. But being there for it makes you cry. Yeah. Like the, when you first hear it, you just kind of get choked up, and you think this is, this is, uh, this is so unusual uh, uh, that it's worth it's worth coming up there almost just for the music. So my plan is to take that music back and do a men's choir. And use some of those songs and have our men sing them. So maybe we'll get some some men uh, get leading some worship and doing the men's choir with some of those songs because they're so powerful. What but was yeah, your What was your favorite song? Uh, the one this the probably the one that's called "Behold Our God." Behold your God. Which one is it? Behold our God. Yeah. Seated on the throne. You can look that one up. It's a great song. I loved that one too. So I think I know. And then there was one called "A Christian's Prayer." Um, all I have is Christ. I thought was good. Did I liked, like um, yeah, I liked. Whatever my God ordains is right. Yeah, that was that was probably my favorite, aside from Behold, yeah, our God. Yeah. yeah, which I don't know. You just wonder how they translate out of the arena because inside the arena, you just think if everyone can hear this, this is the way everyone would want to do church music. Yeah, it, because it's so easy when we're leading worship for the star of the show to be the song or to be the song leaders uh, but the star of that show in there was Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross yeah. like every song <laughs> really came. and even when we would sing songs like leaning on the everlasting arms and you know crowning with many crowns and you know uh, uh, we sing grace grace God's grace mm-hmm. you know, so uh even when you sang those songs that you were familiar with, I mean, still, just because of the way it was being done, the star of the show was Jesus, and the star of the show was the gospel. Uh, just the, it wasn't, a, it wasn't, you know, there were some th- things in there about feelings, but it all, every song would always come back to, you know. It was all about God's it was glory. Not about, it was not songs about us. It was songs about Christ. So awesome, awesome, awesome. So yeah, the music was good. So how, where were we in the? So you were just gonna say like you're recapping the actual when you show up at the conference. I, I was just gonna hit some highlights. Oh, the highlights, the highlights. Yeah. So the music was a highlight. Yeah, um, the fellowship was a highlight. Just meeting some people. Joe Morrow is the brother from Lubbock's name. Joe. And he's the sweetest guy, isn't he? He's so Gosh, nice. Gosh, he's oh, so well, nice. Everybody we met was so 
kind, encouraging. Everybody wanted to talk about their churches. They wanted yeah. to talk about your church, what God is doing. Yeah. They wanted to know what God's doing where you are, and mm-hmm. they wanted to talk about, <clears throat> you know, what's happening in their churches. It was just so encouraging. We met um, Dave from Australia. Mm-hmm. He was Dave Kuhn. He Kuhn, was Kuhn. Kuhn, I think is what you say. He's such a nice the man. Anglican pastor in uh, Australia. But the Anglican church where he is in Sydney, uh, which is where Hillsong is, uh, we talked a little bit about that. I got his kind of his impressions on Hillsong. But uh, the Anglican church there is very conservative. Mm -hmm. And uh, the guys that write the Matthias Media stuff, if you're familiar with that, like Trellis and the Vine, Vine Project, those guys are Anglican. So it's kind of interesting that really at this conference you had a lot of Baptists, Southern Baptists, a lot of Presbyterians and Anglicans, uh, but but uh, and some Anglicans from England, but you know from other places too. So yeah. kind of interesting, an interesting mix. I'd say mostly that's what it was uh, here, but I, of course I, I don't really know. We saw two of our former pastors that we've had since we've we been did. married. We did. We saw Bob Ogeron and Scott Nethery. Bob Ogeron was our first pastor when we, we were, were married. married. Yeah, he was here. And then the Brother Scott, Brother Scott was our was last, last pastor. pastor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, neat. That was interesting. Those are our first and last pastors were here. And uh, there were friends of ours from Texas who were there. It was just it was just Who were the friends incredible. from Texas? The fellow pastors from Texas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So and our, our association. Uh, our association was represented by First Baptist Dolly and First Baptist Seymour, which was really cool to have some guys from our association there. And uh, we would see people, you know, like I didn't see Joe again. Maybe we'll see him on the airplane. Probably not. But uh, it's a lot, you know, chances were on the same flight or slim. We met a couple from Canada, and we kept seeing them Yeah, I kept everywhere. seeing them, yeah. It was like you would see some of the same people. I don't know why, but then you people that you knew were there. Like David Woodbury from, from Texas was there, uh, First Baptist Nocona, and I never even saw him. But yeah. I saw Dave from Paradise several times, so I, and I was just weird. It was a, I just would run into him. Saw James Kerr from uh, he lives in Florida, but we were on the Ecuador mission trip together. So just really, uh, it was just amazing that so many were there, and so many pastors were there. Uh, so the fellowship was was really neat. So I'd say music was a highlight. The fellowship was a highlight. Of course, the preaching was a highlight. Well, the preaching was the whole thing. I mean, that was That's why you come. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the the way they get you here is they, the lineup of speakers, um, it's, I mean, if there was an all-star team of of preachers, uh, these guys, preachers and churchmen, these guys are the guys you want to hear from. Uh, They're the heroes that we have uh, going back guys that introduced us to, uh, you know, a vision of God, uh, of his majesty and of his sovereignty and of holiness and a commitment to uh, the inerrant word of God and to expositional preaching. And I mean, these guys like John Piper and John MacArthur, not just for me, but also for Melissa, uh, whether directly or indirectly, these guys have been really formative mm-hmm. in our life. Yeah. So you've got 
for, for me, I would say it was interesting for John Piper and John MacArthur were the last two speakers. And probably in my discipleship, um, you know, uh, not to say that other people didn't try to disciple me. I'm sure they did. I don't know. I don't, you know, <laughs> but I wasn't listening. <laughs> and maybe the Lord wasn't working in my heart when other people were really trying. And I have to attribute three, uh, three, you know, uh, give credit to three places there. Maybe John Piper, John MacArthur, and the Internet, where yeah. whenever I really started listening. But there was a time where I would just really listen. And there's others, too. David Platt, and he was here. Matt Chandler. Um, Paul Washer wasn't here, but he was one. Um but just these guys, you know, uh, Chandler, Platt, Kevin DeYoung, uh, Tabidi. How do you say his last name? Tabidi, Anna, blah, 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 something like that. I'm not sure how to say Tabidi, it. Tabidi, I can't blah, blah, even blah, blah, blah. say Louisville. Yeah, Louisville. <laughs> Ligon Duncan, uh, uh, John MacArthur, John Piper, H.B. Charles. Don't we just love H.B. Charles? I. It's funny how much I lo- love that guy. I love him. <laughs> He's just the greatest. Anyway, so... Uh, so many the preaching was off the charts every message was great and and then of course there were some messages that were just you know uh that'll stay with you for your whole life well okay so before we get to the the big one the big one Um, well there were a couple of big ones yeah like probably three well i'd say four really stand four or five really stand out to me Well, I will just say that, you know, I am a huge fan of John MacArthur, and he, I don't know why, I just, I love his style of preaching. I love it that he can get up there and not tell a single funny anecdote, story, you know, that he's found on the internet. (laughs) He can just get up there and talk about the Bible for an hour. And um, I loved his sermon. His sermon was to pastors, and it was just about um, the weight of the work that you're really doing and mm-hmm. the responsibility that you really have. Of sanctification. He made the point that of all, when you think about the Ordo Salutis and all the steps that take place when God is saving you, that you, you know, uh, your justification, your... Um, regeneration, your uh, adoption, and your glorification. All of these things are things God God is do, God will do. Mm-hmm. But the thing Paul says, you know, I'm, I'm laboring, he's in Galatians 4, 19, it's like I'm, I'm laboring like I'm in childbirth again to see Christ formed in you. And, and MacArthur looked at all of us and he just said, that's, that's the job that God's given you. You're the instrument by which he is going to use, which he's going to use, to sanctify his people, mm. that that's the job of the pastor. It's your only job is to see Christ formed in these people through the process of sanctification. Yeah. That's your job. And he and the thing uh, that stuck out the, was the thing about the seats. Yes, what he said there? Yes, he said, he, he basically said, I'm not going to quote him very well, but he basically said, stop worrying about the empty seats and start worrying about the filled seats. Well, he's just saying, which what pains you? Because most pastors are pained by the empty seat. Yeah. But they should be pained by the, the person sitting in the seat that's there. Yeah. And Christ isn't being formed in them is the way yeah. I took that. It's like, yeah. are you pained over the fact that you have these people sitting in your church 
that are not growing in Christ. I've never heard a sermon that so clearly detailed how the answer imp- how important it can be mm-hmm. to go to a church and to stay oh, yeah, there yeah, yeah. like he has done to stay there for a long time and really pouring yourself into a group of people mm-hmm. instead of you know unfortunately the pattern seems to be with pastors stay is you go years. somewhere three four five years and then you move on well um we've been at at, at only for five years almost and I feel like we're just getting started. Yeah, you're just getting started. He said, and it's so weird to see John MacArthur up there, and he's saying, well, people have asked me before, why don't you why don't you go to a, another church? Uh, you know, why don't you go to a bigger church? He was saying, well, I don't want to go to, I was thinking, so here's even MacArthur thinking through, why don't you go to another church? Here is the pastor yeah. to pastors. Here's, the, here's maybe the most influential Christian when we look back, he will be the Spurgeon that they're talking about in 200 years Yeah. with his commentaries, his his record of preaching through the New Testament. And even people are saying, well, why, you, you, you have 5,000 in your church. Why don't you go to a place that has 10,000? Mm-hmm. And, and, and he was like, well, I, I don't need more people. That, he, that was a sermon, a great sermon for the point that you don't need more people. Right. You need more sanctification. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and I, I think. That's, uh, you know, you're you're worried about growing your church or or seeing your people grow. I think that was one of the points H.P. Charles made. And Mark Dever really made that point, too. So it was it was very convicting. The MacArthur sermon as as a as a ministry couple. It was just very convicting. And I it was such a an honor and a joy to sit there in the room and listen to John MacArthur preach. Yeah. It was just so amazing. So I would put MacArthur there. I mean, I was going to rank them, but then the other sermon that stands out in my mind is the Mark Dever sermon. And we were talking with some people in line to get a mug. There's so much to talk about about this conference. Uh, it's fresh on my mind. So we, we might as well just record several podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> like let's stop at like 45 minutes. A lot minutes. of people who weren't there probably wouldn't be interested in all of our details about it. But you know what? We're going to give them to you anyway. <laughs> and then you can just choose not to listen to us talk about this conference. But because I think people would want to know if you've never been to, because we never have been to this conference. So, and I kind of always wondered, well, why would you go to the conference? In my mind, I would think, okay, so John MacArthur is going to preach a sermon about staying at a church for a long time. I can sit in my office and I can watch it you know and I that's how I since they've been doing these and putting them online for the last four or five years or you know eight years or whatever it's been since they've done online stuff they have them every other year uh I've thought well why do you go can't you just listen to it but really being here uh it it makes a huge difference Mm -hmm. I mean you're tuned in more for one thing there's distractions when you're trying to watch it online you're, you're still having to work and, and do things. Here, you, you've taken time you've out of your, your schedule. You've set it aside to listen to these and get as their walk. Like this year's theme is, was holiness. It was being distinct from the world. And they, they set it up as they assigned the topics. There's thought in it to try to walk you through a certain way. So, I mean, it's, um, you know, if you've never, if you've never been, I would say, there is a there's an advantage to, to coming. Definitely. And we can talk later about like why you should try to bring your wife to you. Like your church should should have your wife come along with you too. Um, and we we talk about that later. But let's let's stick with the sermons for a minute and then if we needed to break up the podcast we can 
do that right. You don't. Are you tired? No, I'm good. Okay, so you can you can talk about this, and then if people want to listen, they can listen. If not, we'll do one about, you know, making fun of famous people. <laughs> like you know, we'll get back to our normal rhythm. <laughs> These are like special edition podcasts from T4G. We're here in Louisville. <laughs> trying it out. We're in Louisville and uh, trying to yeah. So. Uh, the other, so the, the Mark Dever message, what did you think of that? Do you want to get your notes? Do you sure. want to get your notes? Yeah, go. So Melissa's going to grab her notes. And uh, you can grab mine, too, while you're at it. I think they're in my bag. That might help because we you know, just heard a lot of sermons. I heard nine sermons, and then there were panel discussions. And uh, it's a lot to remember. But the Mark Dever, man, I'm a big Mark Dever guy. I've really become uh, <clears throat> really reliant on... As a pastor, you there are resources out there that you don't even realize you need until you become a pastor, and the nine mark stuff has just been, uh, you know, rescuing me left and right, understanding my church. So, Mark Devers uh, was on called Holiness Together. I thought it was a great, uh, a great message. You know how many points it had? Did you keep track of that? Did you notice how many points were in the message? So it's easy. It's easy. It's easy. What would you guess? Nine. Nine, yeah. <laughs> so I guess if you're Mark Dever, nine like marks. if you're if you're Mark Dever, the deal is every sermon probably has to have nine points. Yeah. Which you know, if I was doing that, my, our people would be like, "We think your ministry should be called one mark, one mark ministry." So you wait, have you ever thought about sermons. the fact that it's nine marks and his name is Mark? Wow, that's weird. <laughs> I've never thought of that. Nine marks, nine points every sermon. My name is Mark. <laughs> I don't know. And he, and he seemed like somebody famous, but we can't put our finger on who he reminds you of. Is that the deal? I still haven't figured it out. No, he's... It's an actor, I think. I don't know. All I know is he, he is really cool and he's smart. Hey, um, we're um, not... Don't worry if you're worried right now and you're listening. We're not going to talk about all nine sermons. Yeah, we're not going to... Yeah, I was just going to hit four, actually. I was going to talk about this one. And, but this one was one that stood out to me. Uh, him talking about... How holiness in the church, how the pastor should um, work through and and address holiness in a real practical. So it kind of was a real practical. Here's what you do in your it was. Uh, in your in your church, and uh, so I thought that was one that I wanted to see. I was going to say we were asking people, who do you really want to hear at the conference? Melissa's like, well, you know, I, I you know, want to hear John MacArthur. How many chances in your life are you going to get to hear John MacArthur, right? I mean. Exactly. I mean, you. I really, he's not a spring chicken. John MacArthur and John Piper were my two ultimates. I really want to hear them preach. And then they were both, they were the two last ones. Yeah, they were the two last ones. Probably because everyone wanted to hear them preach. Today was, I was really emotional today. I don't know. Yeah, you I cried just, a lot. Well, you cried too. Well, I, mean, I wasn't saying that it was bad for you to cry a lot. I think a lot of people cry. Yeah, there was a lot of crying going it, on today. It, there really was <laughs> a spirit of, for one thing, we didn't want it to end. Yeah. That's how good it was. Yeah, it's sad that it's over. And I, I wish we could have like a couple more days of it at least, but I really do miss my kids too. Yeah, I do too. Um, so today, so so the I thought the MacArthur sermon was great. Let's talk about the Piper sermon. The Piper sermon was very last. It was funny how he kind of got up there. He got up there and he's like, uh, I really feel like my sermon should have been first. He said that twice, and he yeah. almost sounded, he sounded a little miffed, right? <laughs> I kind of felt like 
<laughs> I was laying the foundation for the whole conference, <laughs> and they put me last. You know, it's like almost like they decided. Well, if we if we have them go first, every, you know, how are we going to keep people here? Yeah. You know, th throughout the conference, I don't think people would have left, but. Uh, that was pretty interesting. He got up there and he's like, so maybe it's good just to remember the foundation. And so he kind of made a way for it. But I think he really felt like he was what he had to say. And what he said was, was something I've never heard before as far as, I mean, I guess it's biblical. I mean, it's not like he made it up, but the, his, you could listen to the, all these sermons are on T4G.org. If you T the letter, I mean the number, T the number four, the letter G, and then dot org and all the sermon they said all the sermons are up so his premise you should go listen to the sermon uh it was really about distinguishing that work of the holy spirit that only the holy spirit can do and he talked a lot about i mean in my mind it really did say you know explain how there could be a lot of false conversions because he was saying a lot of people can follow jesus without being saved uh, judas did it uh, the devil uh, knows all the doctrine and he's not saved but to to actually delight in obedience to delight in faith to adore Christ those that emotional aspect of Christianity can really only truly be brought about by salvation so it's an interesting sermon if you go it kind of fits within his Christian hedonism ideas if you go listen to that he said it's a miracle that only can come from God that you you do not have an affection in your inside of you for God, and then you do. Yeah, you it's do. not something that you can, you can generate. Yeah, you, God's got to create it. It's an awesome sermon, so go to Piper. Probably what people will remember um, from this conference, though, will not be Piper's sermon or Dever's sermon or even MacArthur's sermon. Uh, what seemed to spark the most controversy, especially in our Southern Baptist um circles, a lot of Southern Baptists here, was that our Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission did a MLK 50 event in Memphis that, that drew 4,000 people, but over a million people watched it online and seems to have caught the ear of the alt-right and uh, became a very politicized thing. I haven't listened to, to any of it but except for Matt Chandler's message at the MLK 50. And it just seems like people get... I don't know what the word is, triggered um, whenever, you know, when, when they, you know, what is our emphasis here? Is our emphasis on the gospel? Are these guys trying to shove a liberal agenda down our throats? It's like, the, you know, people just automatically seem to politicize the issue. Martin Luther King Jr. was immoral. Martin Luther King Jr. didn't believe in the Trinity. He didn't believe in the virgin birth. He didn't believe Jesus was actually resurrected from the dead. Or did he? There's disagreement on it. What can we learn from Martin Luther King Jr.? This is kind of a it's kind of a a racial controversy swirling around that event. And then also racial, you know, that that controversy um, kind of seemed like it was coming here because David Platt, his sermon, what was the title of his sermon? Let Justice Roll Down Like Water, Racism and Our Need for Repentance. Need for Repentance. Racism and Our Need for Repentance. So, you know, um, automatically you can tell how in a room full of people, now I'll have to say the T4G crowd, what would you say? 50% probably in their 20s? I mean, there's Probably. a lot of young yeah. men there. They I mean, everywhere young. you looked around, it was mostly, it was mo I would say half were young people. 
uh, I would say v- very few people in their 50s and 60s and, and 70s. There was a few old-timers here, but, the, but mostly it was a young crowd. I imagine the SBC in Dallas will look quite different, but hopefully we'll be able to go to that too. Um, I think, you know, that probably draws an older group. This is something that draw, draw, it was like the Sin North America conference we went to in 2016, 2015, 2016, very young crowd. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that, so this, most people here, I think, understand that there's, there is a race, race problem in America, yeah. okay? And I think most young people, even most people my age, have come to understand not because we're liberal or Marxist or whatever all the accusations are with the alt-right or cucked or whatever they say, the, the, the alt-right. It's because we realize the racism, is, it's, it's systemic. It's not just something people, it's not just a bad attitude. It's institutionalized. Mm-hmm. It, and so, you know, you can deny that, but it, you're, if you do, you're wrong. So David Platt, we all know David Platt, how he is, his very serious man uh, has a very important title and, and and does important work and he's a genius I mean this guy's smart yeah so David Platt gets up there and preaches this sermon you know uh, were you gonna say some did something stick out to you what he said as you was looking at your notes and uh, I mean he he preached from the heart he asked for grace and basically just kind of laid out the case that if you're born in, in the United States of America and you're black, that makes that matters. It makes a difference. His basic exhortation to us, and he did, um, he did exegete his text, which was out of Amos five. He did went through there and explained the context and the meaning, and he said, "Now the application I'm going to make tonight is very narrow. We can make a broad application with this." But I'm going to make a very narrow application to racism in the United States of America. Immediately, the Twitter sphere, the T4G app, just all this negativity. Okay, he's not being a faithful expositor. I thought this was a gospel conference, and just it just was ugly, and embarrassing, and unchristian and sinful the way that people were responding. Okay, because even if you disagree with them, there's be a better, more gracious way to disagree. Especially if the guy asks you to give him some grace, and, and, and maybe, you know, is, is it not everybody needs a hot take on what you think of a sermon while it's going on before you've even had a minute to reflect on it. It's yeah. like there was no chance for the Holy Spirit to work in hearts. For about 10 people, probably, that were in the room, everyone else, it was moving. It changed my heart towards the issue. Would you say it changed your heart? Oh, it was so convicting. Okay, the Holy Spirit used that sermon. It was convicting everyone in the arena. It was just a, 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 it was a great. It was a very solemn kind of moment in the arena when that sermon was finished. Everybody was just kind of. Yeah, we we realized. This is what, here's a quote from his sermon that, um, that I wrote down. It says, our God is not honored by mouths that are quick to sing and hands that are quick to rise in worship when those same mouths won't speak and those same hands won't work to try to end injustice in the world around yeah. them. And, he, and, and I think a lot of people heard that and they, they, they heard that and they thought, well, he's saying I'm a racist. Uh, he wasn't saying that. He was saying everybody, no one in here wants, <laughs> no one in here wants there to be racism. But if we don't, if we don't address the injustice, then we're, we're a party to it. Yeah. Uh, to the injustice, we we've got to we've got to, you know, 
step out here and and do something, you know, uh, address the injustice because that's what Scripture is commanding us to do is that God's not interested in our worship if we're not interested in justice and and because he's interested in justice. So he, God's always on the side of justice. So um, that was just a very convicting sermon. There was a break, and then they came back with a panel that discussed Martin Luther King. Well, that set those people off even more. Those people are not, I mean. I know, but I'm just I saying don't. there was controversy, some controversy even in the room, and a lot online. There were there there were a lot of people who didn't understand what was even happening there who were commenting about it. Yeah, online. but also I think there were a lot of people who weren't really I, I just think it, it was kind of sad because I was reading that social media and you were telling me, Don't read that, don't read that but still it it it, it was um, kind of a sad well, they were getting on there and proving everything that David Platt know, said was, like, was true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, here's the way people are going to respond. And immediately they responded exactly that way. Yeah. He said, you're going to misunderstand me. If you, if, you, if you stop listening for just a second, you tune in, you tune out, you're going you're gonna to take something out of context. And they were taking That's exactly, the, what, they what, they exactly the, what they did when he had asked for grace. Like, maybe if you're going to get negative about it, go listen to the sermon again and make sure you got exactly because. He is, words were measured, and he said everything on purpose. I mean, he's not an idiot. He I knew thought it was doing. a it was a really important sermon. Yeah, I think listen to the sermon, David Platt's sermon. Go to the t4g.org website, listen to that sermon, and that really, um, that really set it up for. Um, well, that, that I thought. So that was the first night, right? That was the first. That was the first day that David Platt preached. Yeah. And then yesterday, uh, you had Chandler. Was that right? Yeah. That wasn't last night. The, the, was that last night? I, I, I actually can't remember. I don't remember either. Yeah. <laughs> it's all running together. Yeah, I, I can't remember. Oh, then we had Kevin, yeah, because yesterday was Kevin DeYoung on immutability. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that, yeah. that's right. So then uh, the, the Thursday session um, was... Is that right? Was it Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? What is today? Doesn't what matter. is today? Is today? Today's Friday. Friday. Okay. I, I don't I don't know what I'm talking about. Chad gets caught up in the details. Yeah, I'm getting caught up in the details. <laughs> anyway. So here's here's what I can tell you. Um, you know, it kind of seemed like Wednesday after the David Platt sermon. I think it was kind of depressing in a little bit because you're kind of down thinking that there was such a lack of unity where there should be unity. But I didn't feel that. I mean I think I sensed it. I think maybe that I, maybe it was my mind. Here, here's a theory I'm going to throw out to you. Okay. All right. I mean the world at large. Okay. Not okay. just you. Okay. Um, we have a bad habit in our era of social media and the internet of considering the internet your real life. Yeah. Your real life here at this conference was the experience of this conference. Right, it was not right. what was happening online. Right, right. So that's why I didn't want you to read it because it was so discouraging after yeah. such a – there was no doubt between the two of us that the spirit was moving. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And but so I also to get know, on there and listen to those – But know, I also know in that same arena there were guys who were – like when it was going on, they were smarting off and they were – you know, people were like, these guys behind me are being this way. And that, that's kind of sad to think that – People, that we had a positive experience where we were sitting, but some people were having a really negative experience, yeah, you know. So I kind of also be aware of it. So should we stop here, or should we just keep going? Can we keep rolling for another twenty minutes? Might as well. Yeah, let's. Just okay, keep well, going. Let's, so let's let's finish the sermons, and we can do another podcast on practical things about T4G, like how to survive it.
Okay, so this leads us to today's message. And so we show up, and was it was the first message of the day, right? Yeah. Yeah, so the first message. Sorry. Yeah, it was, it was. So we come in there, we sing, great singing. And then this man gets up to preach. His name is Ligon Duncan, L-I-G-O-N-D-U-N. C-A-N. Ligon Duncan. Or, or was it Al Mohler first? Was Al Mohler yesterday? I don't, I don't remember. It's like it all runs together. I don't know if it matters or it's not. It's not important. Yeah, but you know. <laughs> details. Yeah, but I mean, you got to get the details right. Yeah, so Al Mohler was the 12th. So today's the 13th. So, yeah, it was today. So it's the first message of the day. And this guy probably is, at least among, like, Baptist who, like your average Southern Baptist, would consider a celebrity past pastor, Ligon Duncan is not on their list, right? Well, he is now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's probably a guy, you don't really come to T4G to hear Ligon Duncan. He's a Reformed Theological Seminary guy. He's a Presbyterian pastor. Anyway, this guy got up and gave the best sermon I've ever heard in my life. Yep. And it was so powerful. I don't even want to talk about what he said because you have to listen to it. All I can tell you is that while he was while he was giving this sermon, um, it's a long sermon. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the what the time. You thought it was yeah, an hour. It was hour. about an hour. That was think. about an hour. Yeah. It's a long sermon. He's preaching it to people who have a biblical background, who could follow him from point A to point B to point C. And he 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 got it started. He had to lay the the groundwork for his for the for the payoff. I'm not sure what you'd call. It. He had to lay the groundwork for the points. Yeah. And he started in he started in Leviticus. He went to Genesis. I mean, he was in the Old Testament and um you just have to you'll have to listen to it to to hear the way that he took maybe whatever this Platt did a masterful job, but he, it was I don't somehow that was like the setup almost for Ligon Duncan. It's like it was like the David Platt sermon exposed your, it exposed a wall. And then the Ligon Duncan sermon came and knocked the wall down. <laughs> right? I think that's what happened. Like the, 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 the worst bits of us were exposed and our weakness was, you know, exposed. And he, and it was like that sermon today was able to go and hit right where we needed to all be hit. And it was, it was the, you know, so I don't know, would the same, it felt like Platt's sermon was really important. I felt like that's an important moment, not just in our Southern Baptist Convention, but maybe in evangelicalism. Like, I truly thought that. I did too. Huge gathering. We'll always remember the Platt sermon. And then today, I think no one in that room, I think in 20 years, you'll say, let me tell you what the best sermon I ever heard was. And yeah. I was sitting there. And when the sermon ended, the only way that the whole room knew to respond was to jump up and just start clapping. Everyone jumped to their feet as soon as he finished his <laughs> prayer. I've never experienced anything like that. <laughs> That's crazy. And, and I was sitting there thinking to myself, 
by golly, this is the best sermon I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah. But I thought, I'm sure not everybody like, here <laughs> feels that way. But then when it was over, we were all just everybody on our just feet. Everybody just jumped up and just started clapping. And they clapped for a long time. Like, it wasn't just a, oh, that was really great. Or even It was even longer than a normal standing ovation. It was like we all kept clapping. He was way off the stage. Yeah, because we people wanted to know, like, we, that was... Like, there's no other way to, like, you didn't know how to respond. What were you clapping about? Well, you were clapping for, but you were clapping because he did a, because that, because sermons are hard, because there's a lot of preachers in there, and sermons are hard to write. Mm -hmm. And you can have an idea, and you can, you can think this will be a great idea, and then by the time you actually start to deliver the sermon or write the sermon down, you haven't been able, you you know, you had a great idea, but you couldn't pull it off. Mm. Okay. You have a great sermon, uh, and maybe you don't deliver it as well as you thought you could. So for one thing, just the fact that he was able to do the work that took a long time to bring that sermon to us, that was hard. Yeah. And there, so one, one at, you're, you're saying, that was great, man. And one, the other thing I think we're clapping for is because the whole conference, he had been so gracious and so sweet and so kind to everybody that he was he was like he was Christ-like mm-hmm. the whole conference. He's been so Christ-like, so you're appreciating that. Then the other thing you're clapping for was preaching. I think I think you just realized, okay, that was just one dude that got up there and talked for one hour to twelve thousand people or thirteen thousand or whatever they say it is, and then not to count not to mention you know, thousands and thousands listening online. And it was, it was more powerful than a rock concert. It was more powerful than a movie. It was like the thing you'll, one of the things you'll remember your whole life is that you were sitting there when that man preached God's word and the Holy Spirit like lit it up. Yeah. It, it, and we were talking at dinner about that sermon and I mean, the way that he put all of that together, that could only be inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's not mm-hmm. something that, I mean, it was just, it was just a rare moment. It was just a rare moment. No, and, and so it's a, I think it's an important, so my mind thinks that God's not going to let something that important happen or, or something that good happen unless it was important. Right. Like I think that it was just, everything came together. The, the, the situation with David Platt's sermon and maybe the, Twitter sphere, and there were some remarks about that today. That I, I th- and he's and he talked about it too, and um, it just everything about it, the context of it was important. Yeah. The message. So I think you were clapping because of the moment. You were clapping because of preaching. You were clapping because of the glory of God. You were clapping because of how, because really what he does in that sermon in the last ten or fifteen, twenty minutes, or the last half of it, is basically he shows you. Or, or puts before you God's word in a way where you just have to say the only way that you could have connections from Genesis 3 to Jesus like this is if God's writing this book. You know, that yeah. if this is truly God's word. Like he showed us the glory of God that's manifested in his word. Yeah. And so we were sitting there just thinking, I mean, there was nothing, you couldn't even say anything. You Because if you tried to talk at that moment after you heard the sermon, you started to cry. 
Yeah. Like I was trying to just want to say something and I would just want to cry. Uh, it was just, it was just one of those. And it's funny because like the, all the rest of the sermons, we were on the floor sitting down. But for whatever reason, we couldn't find seats on the floor. We were even in a different place for that sermon. So mm-hmm. I always remember how we were sitting there. It was just, and then, and then, and then after the sermon was over, like an hour or so, people start tweeting about it. And I was talking to a guy that wasn't at the conference at the ice cream shop, and he said, he said, I, uh, I, I have to go listen to this. I've heard two or three people talking about it. I'm just so glad that we were there for that moment and that we were there together. And that, and that's maybe where we can segue into talking about the importance of men bringing their wives along in their theological study. Let's make that a second part because this file is getting gigantic. I'm afraid it won't upload. Can we do, well, so we're going to do that. We're going to close it off here and start a new episode. We'll see you in just a minute.